Would you bow your heads in prayer? Gracious Lord, we ask that you would today plant the seed of your word in our hearts, and then by the working of your spirit, give us ears to hear your call and answer, produce in us the fruits of faith. In your name we pray, amen. So there once was a town where only ducks lived. And every Sunday, the ducks would waddle out their front door, waddle down Main Street, and waddle into their duck church. And they would squat in their pews. And they would listen as the duck choir sang. And then the duck pastor would preach a sermon, and he preached a sermon on wings. He said, ducks, you have wings. You can fly. You can soar like eagles. No no fence can keep you in. No wall can contain you. You can fly like birds. And the ducks all shouted, amen. And as they walked, or waddled, I should say, back the pastor at the end of the service, they thanked him for the inspiring service on wings and the sermon on flying, and, and then they waddled home. Let's sink in for a minute. We're going to start a series on God's calling in our lives. Next couple of weeks, we're going to look over the fact that God has called us to be disciples, not simply members. That He has called us to be stewards, not simply volunteers. Missionaries, not simply observers. Generous givers, not simply receivers. Doers of the word, not hearers only. Today, today we're going to start and we're going to, we're going to talk about the fact that he has called us to be transformed, not or no longer conformed to the world. The challenge of this series, the challenge to you and me of God's calling is this, will we learn to fly? Or will we continue to waddle? Folks, I've I've shared the story before. It's about the pastor who preached the same sermon four Sundays in a row. And finally, one of his parishioners asked him, that's a great sermon, Pastor. Are you going to preach something new? And his answer was, when you do something with this one. Romans 12 
asks us not simply to listen and then go back to life as usual. God is looking for real change. In you and in me. See, our God is looking for transformation that reflects his mercy. He even starts out by saying that. Paul does in the first verse, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now, another word for mercy is pity. God has pity on us. He knows what a mess we've made. He knows what we've deserved, what we've earned by the life that we've lived. And in his pity, in his mercy, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He withholds our punishment. He turns aside his wrath. He's acted like the father in the story of the prodigal son, right? I mean, that son, when he came home after what he'd done, he deserved to have the door slammed in his face. Instead, the father, when he sees him a ways off, runs out the door, throws all dignity to his side, pulls up his, his robe, runs out to greet his son, throws a robe around him, a ring on his finger, puts his arms around him, puts his sandals on his feet, kills the fatted calf, throws a party to welcome his son home. What a picture of our God, Right? who does not give us what we deserve, but instead gives that to his son. Punishes his son for our crimes. Raises him to life so that we could live with him forever runs out in baptism and greets us. When we confess our sins, throws his arms around us and welcomes us and then kills not the fatted calf but invites us as he does to his table today to come and receive his own son, his body and blood in, with and under the bread and wine. Those are the mercy. Of God. And because of those mercies, you and I stand here today and we stand on the last day and we stand before God every day as those forgiven, not condemned, as those who have hope, not despair, as those who have been adopted into his family, not rejected. See, God is looking for that mercy. Transform our lives. Transform the way we live. Love, here's the, here's the whole beginning of that passage. It's, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. God is not content for you and I to hear his word and then go back to waddling. 
Now, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not that God expects you and I, by a change in behavior, to somehow atone for our sin, to somehow make up for what we've done, to make things right, because you and I can't do that. That's the sacrifice that Jesus died. He did that. He paid that price when he lived among us, when he died on the cross, when he rose again. God wants your life and mine be a thank offering. Love this passage from 2 Corinthians, right? He died for all. That they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised to life again. He died as the sacrifice for our sins so that we might live as a sacrifice of praise to him. You know, in the second verse, it uses the word tra- for transform, okay? But I don't know if you know that the word for transform here is the same word used in the Gospels for when Jesus was transfigured. You remember what happened there on the mountain, right? All of a sudden, his face shone as bright as the sun, and his clothing became dazzling white, whiter than any launderer can ever make them. And for a moment, for those three disciples who were with him, Jesus pulled back the veil, and he let them see who he really is. A man, yes, but God himself in flesh and blood standing among us. And that's the word that Paul uses to describe what God is looking for in you and me. That what's on the inside, that the fact that God and his grace has adopted you and me, that he has by faith made us to be his children, that we would start to show that. That people could look at you and me and see by the way we live and the language we use and the things that we say and the way we love that we are in fact children of God. Now, if you want to know what that looks like, I want you to look at the rest of this chapter. This is a description of the transformation. Let love be genuine. No fakes. Abhor what is evil. Now, folks, I know we abhor what's evil out there, but I really think Paul's talking about abhor what's evil in here and hold fast to what is good. Love one another With brotherly infection, treat each other like family. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be be slothful or lazy in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord with energy. Rejoice in hope. In a world that's full of despair right now, you and I are to be beacons of hope in this world. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless, oh, here you go. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Don't think you're too good for anyone else, right? But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Never spend a lot of time patting yourself on the back about how much smarter you or I are than everybody else. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. 
To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Quite a chapter. Folks, God has not called you or me, to waddle. He's called us to fly, to be transformed, to let people see who we really are so they'll glorify Him. His call lays a choice lays a choice before us. What will shape our lives? The ways of the world or the will of God? I mean, look at the passage. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. There are a lot of pressures out there to conform, right? 24-hour news cycle with all the opinions of what you're supposed to believe or think. The ads and the posts that suddenly appear on your Facebook page as if someone's listening to you? Good question, isn't it? Politics of the world around us wants to shape you. The curriculum that's taught in many of our public schools that wants to shape and conform your children. Opinions of family and friends that won't tolerate you having a different opinion or thought. It's easy to go along in order to get along, isn't it? To conform. It's easy to stay silent about an evil like abortion because don't want to be controversial. It's sometimes just as easy to tell the lie your boss wants you to tell rather than risk losing your job. Easy just to agree with a friend or a family member rather than stand up for what you believe. It's easy to be conformed. Ran across a story this week about a farmer who was moving his sheep from one pen to another 
because he was checking him out, he left, let him out one at a time. And the first sheep went out of the pen, and when he got out, it leapt into the air and then ran on. Every sheep after that did exactly the same thing. Came out of the pen, leapt into the air, and ran on, one after the other. Strange thing then was there was nothing there to leap over. Each lamb was doing exact, did what they did because that's what the one in front of them did. You and I can live our lives that way. We can live our lives conforming ourselves to what everyone else thinks, everyone else says, everyone else does, because that's what everybody's doing. Or we can be transformed by the voice of the shepherd. You, you hear me week after week talk about how important it is for us to be in worship, to be in God's Word, to read the Scriptures at home. And you hear me week after week urge you to join our Bible class. I know it's not the easiest thing online, but it's a little discouraging when I see only 25 or 30 of you have looked. There's a reason I do that. See, that's how God works his transformation in us. By his word. That's how this daily renewal of your mind happens. As God, by his word, is able to shape your mind and mine. It's in his word that God every day works to put to death the old man in us and to raise us up to be new people, to live transformed lives as his children. You know, I, you know how an eagle teaches its young to fly? You know that they, the eagle builds the nest at such a size that as the little eaglets get bigger, they feel crowded. Because mama wants them to leave home. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> and then the mama pushes the eagle, eaglet out of the nest. And as it plummets, mama swoops down, catches it, and brings it back to the nest. And then she pushes it out again. Swoops down. Keeps doing it till the eagle learns to flap its wings and fly. That's what our God does. He brings us here. He heals our wounds. He speaks to us his word. He equips us. And then he pushes us out of the nest each week. And, and inevitably we plummet and we fail and we fall. And he swoops in and he catches us and he forgives us and he restores us and he strengthens us and he sends us out again. Day by day, week after week. Because God is not content. Like I said, God is not content to watch us waddle home. doesn't want our lives, having been touched by him, to go back to normal. He has something 
better for us. A new life. A life lived in his strength and power. A life where we learn to start flapping our wings of faith and fly. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.